Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, my director's resigning. Chapter one, never counter offer. Part one, here we go. Folks, this cast is being recorded in 2014, and this is our first announcement on the podcast that in 2015, we will add a third conference to our rotation. There will be a limited number next year called the Effective Interviewer Conference, teaching you what we know about how to interview effectively. Uh, look for it on the website and join us if you can. I don't know how you're going to talk about this, Mark, because um, you're such a great manager. Nobody ever resigns, so I don't know right. how, how would you <laughs> how would you know a thing about handling uh, resignations and counter offers to employees and that kind of stuff. But we get the question a lot, right? We do. I mean, we do. Absolutely, we do. And and we'd get less of them if people did what yeah. we recommended more. But okay, that said, yeah. so today we're going to talk about you know what what to do when one of your directs resigns. Yeah. Now, look, the majority of the guidance we're going to put out, this is going to be a series, guys, because there's a whole lot of things to do. And I started writing this podcast about Never Counter Offer and realized that I was going to have to combine it with the whole idea of a direct coming to you and saying, well, I have another offer. Because if I ju- if we just said here, don't counter offer, it would not stand on its own. So we really sort of have two podcasts here. That's why we're going to be a little bit longer. Um, but we're not going to get into the reasons for our direct resignations generally, because for most managers, it doesn't matter what you think about is the resignation, the losing of the, of the, of the person. Um, we will cover special cases though, when they're, they're unique, when they depart from our general guidance, uh, those will be separate casts. Um, and like I said, we will start with counter offers because it's one of the most frequent questions we get. It's not, in our opinion, the most important guidance competing offers aren't always an issue. Um, in fact, often what people do if they're smart is they go and get another offer and they accept and then they come and resign. Right. But it is a hot button for a lot of managers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. They, they feel trapped. They want to keep somebody because of course, as we've said, the two things you're truly accountable for as a manager are results and retention. But then you've got issues around salary administration. And frankly, most people who ask for a direct who comes to you for a counteroffer doesn't understand that, you know, I, I just can't snap my fingers and get you more money. It's harder than that. Now, it's not impossible, but it requires the spending of political capital. And so it's, it's more difficult than most directs, particularly frontline directs, realize. And so our guidance is counteroffers aren't a smart move for all kinds of reasons. And we want to take you through a direct coming to you saying, I've got another offer, and then talk about why you wouldn't counteroffer. So we have eight parts to this cast. Again, it's going to be a multiple part cast, right? We have eight items in our outline and there'll be multiple parts, please, folks. I don't mean to suggest we're going to have eight half hours on this. The first thing you do when a direct comes to you and says, I have another offer is you congratulate them. That's step one. What? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What? Yeah. Which, by the way, will disarm them immediately. Um, And for some of you, it will take practice because your first response is, oh, dear. The second thing you do and you'll begin to see why congratulating is important and leading up to the whole issue of being able to counteroffer on the second point is now you need to find out what you can about their new opportunity. And it's way easier to do that if you congratulate them first. Right. Right. Because there might be an opportunity for you yeah. there, too. Yeah. No. Then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, Sorry. OK. Yeah. When Sorry, you, when you, yeah. When you when you leave because you can't keep your people. There you go. That's really dark, Mike. That's the darkest joke you've ever made. Um, uh, stop. 
Yeah. The next thing is we want to admit it will be hard to lose the candidate if, in fact, it will be. Sometimes you're not terribly stressed that you're losing a particular person. The next, we're going to ask how they plan to decide and when, because you may not have enough time to get a counteroffer, even if they want one. If someone suggests a counteroffer before you have the data that you need, which we'll talk about, then you have to say no, right? You, you don't make a counteroffer. If you were thinking you were going to, you wouldn't make it until you knew everything. But then the next step is we recommend you do not make a counteroffer. <laughs> Ignore don't, everything we said. Just yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't do it. Well, no, we're, we're teaching two things. We're teaching how to handle anyone coming to you with a resignation, at least initially. In addition, we're talking about the counteroffer portion. That's why I said the counteroffer is not that important, but we had to lay the groundwork first. And then we want to be able to explain why, and the why is important. And then lastly, um, we recommend you ask for further communication. Okay, so let's get to it. So somebody comes into you, I'm sitting in my office, direct of mine comes in my office and tells me they have an offer. So let's talk about the first words out of your mouth. What do you, what do, you do when they come in and tell you that they're either resigning or that they have, a, they have an offer somewhere? Well, first of all, um, I just want to say, before I give you some words, this is where so many of us go so terribly wrong. <laughs> yes. The direct comes to us, announces a resignation, a threat to resign, and the mistake we make is we immediately think about ourselves, and then we think of the negatives of losing this person. And because of that, we think negatively, we think of it as a threat to us, not us personally, but to our ability to do our jobs. And a lot of us become defensive. And when you're defensive, folks, you tend to become less creative. And you end up with a sense of urgency that is ineffective because the urgency that you might need is unsupportable by the situation you're in in terms of the timing they have and the ability to get an offer to them and so on. So look, the appropriate thing to do when a direct tells you they have another offer is to congratulate them. And think about it. They went out. They interviewed. They decided they were looking for other opportunities. We all agreed in the modern world, it's the 21st century, that big corporations and small corporations are not responsible for people's careers. I read more and more, particularly influenced by the technology industry, I think for some of the wrong reasons, but that's not important. The fact is it's true that, well, I'm going to go from this company to that company to that company to this company, depending upon the opportunities and so on, and that's what makes me good. I would argue differently than that. Um, but there's a given in careers today that is a fundamental shift from the way it was 30 years ago, and that is companies are no longer responsible for thinking about you and managing your career. Some companies still do it for high potential people, but for the vast majority of people, they don't. If you're listening, you're responsible for your career decisions. And if you were to work for me and you were to come in and say, Mark, I'm resigning, I would be, if you're really, really good, I'd be disappointed for me and potentially hurt that I didn't know and, and frustrated that I didn't know or didn't see it coming. If we have a good relationship, I'm going to be thrilled for you because it is your career. And folks, we don't want to keep people who would be better off somewhere else. If you think that you want to keep people who would be better somewhere else, then what you're basically saying is what you want for them because of your needs is more important than what they want for them. What you want is to get people who you can convince to love what you do. I'm not suggesting they should know it the day they got hired, 
but you want to be able to convince them through the way you treat them and the kind of work you give them, the kind of opportunities they have and so on, that they wouldn't want to go anywhere else. You tell me this whole one-on-one and building relationships we talk a lot about is not fake stuff. It's like we're actually trying to build a relationship. We're not just trying to oh, no. pretend that there's a relationship. No, really? Uh, no, no, it's totally fake. Yeah, as the guy as a guy asked me recently, you're telling me that if I knew my direct's first name, suddenly that would make me a good manager? I said, no, it wouldn't. On the other hand, if you don't know your direct's first names, don't come and tell me you're a great manager. Uh, your direct's kid's first names. Okay, so we want to congratulate them. If you put yourself in their shoes, they've gone to a great deal of effort. So here's how it might sound. Mike comes to me and says, hey, Mark, I, I want you to know, kind of hard discussion, but hey, I've got another offer. I say, hey, dude, congratulations, right? I mean, you went out and tried to do it and you got it. So tell me all about it. Or I might say, well done. Again, guys, as an aside, they decided they put their resume together. They did all the steps. They went and interviewed. Why would they interview and want to be declined for the opportunity? So they went with the interview. The purpose of the interview was to get an offer and they got an offer. So they achieved something. So congratulate them for it. Try not to make the world completely you centric. (laughs) So you'd say this, well done. I'm surprised, obviously, but I'm pleased that if you've interviewed, it went well. I'd love to know more. Tell me about it. Or, oh, no. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Congratulations. Bravo. Well done. My compliments. What are you going to do? Tell me about it. That is so counter to what most managers, how they respond. Right. And look, it goes back to the fundamental choice you have. Do you want to immediately get defensive and make it about you versus them? Or do you want to get what you want? And by the way, guys, if you can't say these things sincerely, don't say them. Manager tools, career tools, we're not asking you to do things that you don't believe in. If you don't believe this will work or if you think it's fake, then okay, fine, don't do it. I would argue the chance of you becoming a great manager or even a good manager if you're not willing to congratulate one of your directs who apparently is saying things aren't as good for me here as you might like them to be, and so I've taken it on my own to go out and get another offer. If you can't say these things sincerely about that person, there's a part of your heart that's missing that I don't think is that good. Yeah, and we met a lot of listeners, and in my experience, you know, almost every single one of them absolutely could do this, and we'd be honest about it. And what we're really fighting about against and what they're yeah. fighting against is just reacting in the moment, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody's ever talked to them about this before. That's a good point. And they're surprised, yep. right? So now you won't be surprised, and you can dig down a little bit deeper. Yeah, interestingly, and I've been trying to figure out a way to talk about this at conferences uh, um, and also in podcasts, is um, rather than thinking, I've got to keep people, I've got to keep people, I've got to keep people. That's not the way you get retention, guys. The way you get retention is essentially not losing them. And so the how do I keep my people is the same thing as saying, how do I not lose them? Well, that's a really hard thing to do. We don't recommend you think about not losing people. We recommend you think about how to make working for you an outstanding experience, so much so that they will choose to stay. You're not trying to keep them. You're trying to give them a great experience so that they will make their own choice to stay since it always is their own choice and not yours. If you begin to believe that it is your choice, that your job is to make them stay, the moment they come to you with a with a resignation or with an offer or with the fact that they're, they're very close to getting an offer, you're going to start thinking you-centric. Look, guys, we understand you'd be frustrated and worried. But what we want in this situation is either to keep the direct who's talking to us 
or if we can't keep them, to keep them as long as possible to facilitate a smooth transition, or if we can't facilitate that, to lose them in as reasonable way as possible, okay? You're not going to do that by immediately making you versus me by saying, oh, well, tell me about it, right? A direct resigning or coming to us with another offer really makes obvious a fundamental conflict between the desires of the organization, which is to say you, the manager, you are the organization to your directs, that's what role power is, and the desires of the individual, the direct. But if you have an immediate response of taking the side of the company, when you've already developed a, a trusting relationship with the direct, if the moment they suggest something that's not in perfect alignment with what your goals are, you begin to respond negatively to their opportunity, that really calls into question the motives we've had, you've had for the relationship you've created in the first place. And I think, Mike, I think that's what you were getting at. If, if we have developed a trusting relationship with the direct, it is more reasonable for us to see both sides of the conflict, their desire for a better future and our desire to keep them, than it is to simply see only our concern about retention. That's right. Yeah, I think you have to be really careful. If you really believe that you're sitting in this one-on-ones and you're giving feedback and you're coaching people and you're delegating because you believe it's the right thing to do and you want to help them grow, you have to be willing to say that, and I know they might leave. And my job is to make it so they won't want to leave. But if they leave, the underlying principles behind the things you're doing are not just to get results for the organization, but to treat another professional in such a way that they'll be highly desirous of creating the results that you want. Otherwise, it's just a ploy. You know, and there's an old saying in Hollywood, if you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. Um, I don't think after nearly 10 years of podcasts that we're in danger of people thinking, oh, you're, you're just suggesting we do this to get what we want, but really it's all fake. That's not what we're about, guys. So rule number one, direct comes to you, has an offer, uh, very close to getting an offer, whatever, congratulate them. And then, of course, step two is find out what you can. Right, get some information. Yeah, because, because look, the moment you start thinking you versus them and you immediately feel this is a conflict, right, you're going to start fighting. Fighting with no facts or no data. Yeah, exactly, right? The fight hasn't started yet. They've come to you and told you something. You're now seeing it as a fight. And by the way, if you see it as a negative, when they come to you as something that's a positive, again, it just makes so stark, hey, this is going to be a fight. It is. Even if I acted like we weren't fighting before, even if I acted like I really liked you working for me, no, this is going to be a fight. And they will tell you nothing meaningful. Exactly. They'll share nothing. Exactly. If it is a fight... They're going to be like, well, okay, why would I want to tell the other right. side right. stuff about me? And if you did, we'll talk about it later. And if you did want a counteroffer, what do you, what do you, what do you yeah. get a counteroffer based on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So you got to get some information. Yeah. So it's a total tactical error to focus first on trying to keep somebody when they're in the moment of telling you something that they went out and accomplished. And it's an error tactically because at this point we have almost no information with which can to consider our options and to f- figure out the likelihood of our success. If we hear somebody has an offer and we immediately start worrying about losing them and then quickly jump to asking what we can do, they have all the information. We have almost no information and we're unlikely to make smart decisions. 
how smart is it to go around making unsmart decisions when you have to spend political capital internally with your boss in order to do it? Not making smart decisions while you're trying to decide on compensation and concessions is a bad career move for us, the manager. So the moment we hear about another offer and we've offered congratulations, we need to gather information about their new opportunity and the reasons for their efforts in seeking it out. If you think about it, it's obvious why our second answer is to gather information. They hold all the cards. They took the time to update the resume, to seek out opportunities, to get interviewed. They kept things quiet, at least as far as we know, and they secured an offer. Whether it's just leverage, which by the way, guys, that is rarely so. In principle, managers think, oh my God, they just did this to get leverage. Well, that's an awful lot of work for leverage. I'm just telling you, that's a lot of work for leverage. Yeah, it often doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, It's kind of foolish. Um, but even if, if it's not leverage, if it's just a harbinger of their leaving, they did a great deal of work we didn't know about it. They know why they did it. We don't. To not know stuff that could be shared with you in order to make a decision about offering, counteroffering, you know, what to do, how to handle it, what, how to go forward. Why wouldn't you ask them all kinds of things, particularly when the likely scenario is they're happy that they got this thing. I mean, most people are not unhappy when they get an offer that they decided right. to go out and get. That apparently they believe is better than what you've been offering them. Yeah, exactly. So how does it sound? How would, it, how would you do that? Yeah, so let me give you, I'll give you two examples. Uh, and guys, you, you don't have to say these words, um, but this is mandatory tools, and we like to make it as simple as possible. And for some of you, it's like, well, that sounded okay. So just say this. But if you don't want to say these, here's the tone and the kind of things you're going to say. Because they might have read all the show notes and, and memorized the exact words, just, yeah, just exactly. in, the case, in case that you, you, you said something like this. I can't remember where I was. I want to say Detroit, but that's wrong. And um, I mentioned to somebody about show notes, and they said, what are show notes? And I said, explain to what show notes are for the licensees. That they're, and, it, you know, 99% copy of the, of the show without asides like this and so on. I've written in a white paper format. It's very specific and very detailed. And uh, he says, oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't need show notes. One of the guys next to him says, I have a license, and I love the show notes. They're just a no-brainer. I don't have to go back and listen to Mark go blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, and uh, the guy actually said, Mike's fine, but Mark, you talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, he said, so I just read the show notes, and I know exactly, you know, I have a little script that I can use. Right, and I go highlight what I want to say. Yeah, exactly. And the other guy goes, oh, that's easy. I just go back over. I listen to it like 20 or 30 times. I'm like, wow, does that take a long time? He says, yeah, it does. But, you know, I'm like, okay, that, you know, that's why the podcasts are free. Um, okay, so first example. Hey, tell me about the opportunity. I'd love to hear about it. With who? Doing what? How it's better? Compensation? Responsibilities? Deadlines? Everything. Or here's another one. Dude, tell me the whole story. Maybe you can start with the offer and work backwards. How you got it? What made you start thinking that way? I'd love to hear everything, including how much time you have. Okay. Yeah. Do you, um, you find circumstances where the direct is shy about sharing that information? Yeah. It's actually funny. Um, it's a silly position to take when, when you think about it, but some directs do. Um, generally speaking, if they're shy about sharing uh, details, it's because that you don't have much chance of keeping them. Hmm. But think about this for a minute. Why is it silly? So they're interviewing. 
do you think they shared what their compensation is from you and your firm? You know that came up, right? right? Of course. Right. They did, right? For them to share your firm's details, it's on their resume, and then they get asked about compensation and years of service and all that sort of stuff. They're sharing it all with your information with the other firm. For them to share that detail with a firm who might hire them, but then refuse to share that firm's details with you is really kind of indefensible. But by the way, we're telling you don't be in a defensive posture, but some of your directs will be in a defensive posture. And the whole point of saying congratulations, no, I'm sorry, not the whole point. The, the secondary point of saying congratulations, besides meaning, hey, I'm glad for you, is also I want to put them in a position to feel comfortable talking to me about what they're doing so I can decide how I'm going to handle it. But look, even if they do take the tack that, you know, I don't want to share with you, here's something I've said before that will hopefully encourage your directs to be more forthcoming. So look, here's what I'm thinking. You have an offer uh, that you're going to be comparing to your relationship with me, with us, with our firm. I know very little about this offer yet. I mean, look, it's clearly possible you're going to leave. and that, That's not, not fun for me, but, but I get that. Because if it wasn't possible at all, um, that you were going to leave, you wouldn't be sharing this with me. If you're going to leave, if nothing else, I want to know what I'm congratulating you for, right? It's just part of its market research, and part of it is, if you did great, I want to know about it. Um, if you decide to leave, I can accept that. I understand that. And maybe you got a big raise and a promotion and an all-around better situation. If you have... I think I've earned the right, by the way I've treated you while working for me, I think I've earned the right to ask about it so I can be really, truly pleased for you. It's also true that there may be a lesson in here for me. But even if I can keep you, it's going to be very hard for us to talk about it when I know almost nothing about it. And I definitely can't compete and probably won't compete against something I can't define. Yeah, now, now further, guys, if they have started by just saying something like, well, I have an offer, and then they immediately suggested that a counteroffer is expected. You know, they're just being very blunt. They're not bluffing. They're just putting all their cards on the table and say, it's time for you to counter, maybe. And ma maybe if they do that, maybe they're young. Um, <laughs> maybe. You could, you could even be more direct. You could say, look, I'm not going to try to fight against something I can't see. If you're not willing to share with me a great deal more in order for me to decide what I might be able to do because I can't do it on my own. As disappointed as I'm going to be, I won't be able to respond with a counter. I mean, look, guys, if somebody says I have an offer, I'd like you to counter. Well, tell me what I'm countering. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be defensive about it, if you're gonna be confrontational and say, hey, I got an offer from our competitor, you know, it's more money, so what can you do? Well, I'm not going to go and get you $5,000 more because that's what my boss says they can afford and then find out that you're making 20000 over there. I don't want to insult you and I don't want to waste my time. That's right. And I don't want, to, I don't want this to be confrontational. If you're going to leave, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be problematic provided we want to be and maybe you don't and that, if that's the case, that's fine. I don't want to, you know, we worked together for a year or 18 months or two years. I want to stay connected to you. But I'm not going to be totally confrontational about this by trying to come together with, come back to you with something when I don't understand the playing field that That's we're right. playing on.
Yeah. Look, guys, the more you learn now, early on in the discussion about what their situation is, what the new opportunity is like, the easier it'll be for you to decide what to do and to be able to do it again, because you need information to go to your, to go to your boss. Uh, and there are very few of you. Some of you actually are senior enough where you can make these decisions unilaterally, but the vast majority of managers can't. And look, guys, I'm going to say it again. The idea that someone can claim they have an offer and be secretive about it is a total non sequitur. In fact, I'm just going to say, I know it makes me sound cynical. Sometimes I sound that way. Those that claim to have offers and then don't share details, in fact, probably don't have an offer at all. That's right. They've been interviewing. They have some information, but they don't have an offer. Yeah. Yet. And, and I got to tell you, the couple of times where that's happened to me, not as a manager, but as someone involved with a manager or an executive or something like that, it was really more a case where, hey, listen, I've got, I've got another offer. It's, uh, they've asked me to keep it confidential. And I did that in part because Joe or Bob or Tara or or Jackie went out and, you know, they left and it was obvious that they got 50% more raise and so on. And essentially what they're doing is saying, hey, if she can leave, I can threaten to leave. And they're now, they're, you know, my company is now attuned to the idea that people can make more money and it's a ploy. And if they don't have the details, and by the way, if you doubt what they're telling you, hopefully your network is good enough when they say they're going to XYZ, call somebody you know at XYZ and say, does that sound right to you? That doesn't sound right to me. Um, and, and I want to make this other side comment here about money. When I say counteroffer, when people talk to me about counteroffers, the conversation collapses to the singularity of how much money, okay? We're not saying that isn't so. We're saying that if it is simply math, if it's going to be $2,000 here versus $1,000 more there or something like that, and they have gone to the trouble of going out and getting another offer, it has been my experience that far too many people don't want to stay after having done that much work for even $1,000 more. They'd almost rather be prideful and leave, and you need to be cautious about that. And the second thing I want to say about this is if you're competing based on money alone, you're never going to be a great manager, period. You're not. In fact, I mean, we don't we don't talk about salary. I mean, how many podcasts have we done, Mark? Mike? I mean, eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, how many podcasts do we have of, of just of manager tools? Though it's been almost ten years, so you know we're probably close to five hundred, something like that. Yeah, no, it's over five hundred. Over five hundred. It's over five hundred. Ten years of fifty, right? Wouldn't it be? Would be five hundred. Uh, but, but it'd be manager tools and career tools were probably eight, nine hundred, something like that. I mean, yeah, anyway, I guess, yeah, I guess you're the right. point is, how often do we talk about salary? We don't. And a lot of people say to us, yeah, you need to talk more about salary. No, money is important. Compensation is important. It's one of those factors. But the great people of the world, they don't make decisions that way. Mary Barra, the, new, the present CEO of GM, who is somewhat embattled and has inherited a difficult situation with lawsuits and internal issues of quality and so on. Mary Barra was just quoted as saying, I, Wendy shared this with me, that I never asked for a raise. I never asked for a promotion. I just delivered results and trusted that I would get taken care of. Now, you may not agree with us on this, guys. You may say, no, it really is about $2,000 more here, there, and so on. Mike and I are both over 50. Mike, I think, generally agrees with my quote that I've been rich and I've been poor and successful is better or happy is better. It, guys, a couple of thousand dollars is not going to make a difference. 
look, you might as well flip a coin. If the other company offers $1,000 more, you're going to lose them. If that's, in fact, the simplicity of what every counteroffer situation is, then you're going to lose half the time because somebody's going to figure out a way to get a little bit more money from somebody else. I hate to say this, guys, but if you're that way, I don't want to keep you because I want more than just what I pay for. I want extra, and I intend to earn it by treating you in a way that makes you think I would never want to work for any other boss other than him. So keep those things in mind regarding getting more information and understanding that, yes, you need to know the salary, but there's a lot more you need to know as well. Okay, so it's been about 30 minutes. Uh, so let's let's stop here and then we'll we'll finish up uh, or try to finish up next week. You know, Mike, I got to tell you, every time I write a show, I think about there's so many more things I want to say that I have to cut out because we respect our listeners' time. Okay, don't write me mail about that, guys. Um, but if this finishes in two parts, I'll be astounded because we're on point two. Yeah. And we have eight to finish. But when your direct comes to you with, with an, a competing offer, guys, this cast is not just about counter-offering. Counter it's about the whole process of you thinking about their resignation and whether or not you can keep them. Yeah, and think about the benefit of getting this right just one time, right? You're yep. able to retain somebody who you might not have been able to before, or you, you don't act like a fool and cause more damage, which exactly. we'll talk about yeah. later. Yeah, because, because if you're going to lose them, what you want to do is lose them and maintain a cordial professional relationship. Maybe they'll be boomeranged back to you. Maybe you'll work for them someday. Maybe they'll tell everybody else, he treated me, she treated me professionally when I left. He stayed in touch with me. He's always been a class guy. That's what you want. Oh, as the person is leaving, you don't think they're talking to other employees. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you, might, you might want to think about that. Yeah. Imagine the recruiter. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm extending this, but imagine the recruiter saying, well, how'd your boss take it? And the recruiter, by the way, has been talking you down the whole time because the recruiter gets paid when your guy accepts and leaves the company. And so the recruiter's probably saying, yeah, your trust me, your boss is going to come after you hard and immediately turn off access to stuff. And, you know, he's going to be totally unprofessional about it. That's what happens. You got to be aware of that. That's the way it works around here. You know, it's all dog eat dog, every guy for himself. And then they say, well, you know, I talked to my boss. Oh, how do you take it? Was he a jerk? Actually, no. He congratulated me. He said he'd love to keep me. He didn't congratulate me because he wants to lose me. He, he, no offense, Mr. Recruiter, but he genuinely cares about me. She genuinely cares about me. And I think he might try to do something. But regardless, he told me whatever choice I make, he'll trust that I make the right one. And if I leave, he wants to stay in touch with me. And I promise you, the recruiter is cynical. And the recruiter is going to say, oh, that just proves that he knows he's going to lose you. And so he's just willing to take the scraps off the table. Well, you know what, guys? If recruiters talk to you, uh, talk about you that way, you're living a pretty good life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your reputation follows you wherever you go. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, just think about that. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Thanks, partner. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week for part two. So long.